0: Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging.
1: If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com.
0: If you want, you don't have to have one, but if you want one, you've just got some frankincense there, you can smell that and get to know what that's about. So while we're doing that, I wonder what that word priest conjures up for you. Frankincense represents Jesus being a priest. I wonder what that conjures up for you. Um, It might be that you've interacted with the Bible a lot, and so that's kind of you are getting that Old Testament priest idea. It might be you've experienced church, maybe positively, maybe not positively, and you've had experiences of priests in that context. Maybe you've just watched Ben-Hur. I don't know. Maybe that's where you're from. Um, I had a really funny conversation with a friend of mine who's from the south of France, and she's not a Christian. Uh, She's never been to church. Her parents have never been to church. Her grandparents never went to church. And she sat me down once and gave me a very, very nice coffee, and said, look, I need you to tell me what you do. You work for a church. You're clearly not a priest. By which she meant, you're not Catholic or a man. I don't understand what's going on. Can you explain? So I tried to. So I'm going to try and explain today. So we're going to dig into a part of the New Testament today that explains what that is. What is it that priesthood looks like post-Jesus? What is it that Jesus looks like as our priest? And while we do that, it's important to remember what those first people who read this part of the Bible in Hebrews were going to be in today, this letter written to Jewish people to explain who Jesus was, what they would have had in their heads. That's why you've got some frankincense. So if you've got that, as we go along, feel free just to breathe it in. And if you feel like you're feeling led to worship or you're feeling like God is speaking to you, you can smell that at that point as well, and that might just help. So the Old Testament worship, this is what people would have had in their heads if you'd said priesthood or you'd smelt frankincense if you were these first people that the Bible was written to. There they are, look at them. Um, so it was led by a high priest that changed regularly. Um, that priest was in charge of all the other priests. And essentially about a twelfth of Israel, one of the twelve tribes, the tribes of Levi, were dedicated to fulfilling a priestly role. Okay? And it was a very specific role, and you would look at a priest, you'd know they'd be wearing a specific thing, They'd be working in shifts in the temple. They'd be offering animal sacrifice for sin. So sin is these things that we've done that are morally wrong, that we're kind of aware of. There are also things, sin is also a sign of something we're responsible for as a whole culture. Like we're really aware of this actually in the 21st century. Our whole culture has a heritage of doing things that are wrong and we benefit from them. And that's part of what sin is and what we need to make it up to God for. Um, and sin is also things that have been done to us and that have broken us and made us less of the person that we could be. So individually and corporately, the people of Israel knew about sin. They knew they needed to be freed from that. And so what they do is they bring an animal to be sacrificed in their place for sin. So the priests would do that. they do the sacrifices. They'd lead the people in gathered acts of worship and festivals. They would receive money and then give it out to the poor. Okay. They would teach the law to people. They teach about the scriptures and what God was saying. And actually, even more deeply, the priests themselves, but also the temple that they were in, the idea was it was a representation of heaven and a representation of God to the people and a place where the people could be represented before God in prayer. Does that make sense? So it was almost like a mediation. Some of you will be mediators in your Christmas dinner tables between Auntie Mabel and Uncle Fred who don't know quite what the other person is trying to say and get grumpy, you'll be the mediator. That is what the priests were doing. They were going between God and the people by means of ritual and connecting them with each other. And that's the context that people would have had to read this word priest. Now, the New Testament church, by the time you get past the Gospels all about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get into Acts and the rest of the New Testament, it looks very, very different. Worship, gathering together, celebrating God, worshipping God, looks extremely different. They never go back quite to that. Something happens when Jesus comes and when the church starts. Something happens when Jesus comes as a baby and when he lives and when he dies and rises from the dead. And that completely changes all of the way that worship looks. It changes because it changes that way that we gain access to God. It changes who mediates our access to God. Who is it who stands between us and God at that moment post-Jesus? And essentially, it's why the gift of frankincense is so important, because it points to something that happens in Jesus' coming to earth as a human baby, in his life, in the way that he lived his life, and in his death. The path to God is no longer through temple services or animal sacrifice or the prayers of another human being or a priestly kind of class of people. It's trusting someone who has gone there before you and done that perfectly. That's Jesus. So I'm going to do something we don't always do here. Um, I've got some printouts, of so some Bible verses. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand them around. Um, in fact, I'm not because that would be awkward. I'm going to get Luke. To ha- Thank you, Luke. My beautiful assistant going to hand them around for me. Um, and what I'd love you to do, I've, I, there's three different verses, <laughs> what I'd love you to do is have a look together on your tables, um, maybe one person read it out so everyone can uh, hear and connect with it, and then what I'd love you to do is just think for a few minutes about the following questions together, and the reason I want to do this is because there's a lot of different aspects to Jesus' priesthood, and what I don't want to do is just rattle through them all at you, and then you sort of go away with like, well, church was a bit like, a bit like some kind of waterfall word thunderstorm. What we want to do is interact with this a little bit for ourselves. Plus, I don't know about you, I'm probably on my 25th mince pie already, um, and I go a little bit carb slow in my brain, so I need a little bit before Christmas, a little bit to go more slowly to hear what God might be saying. So as you're looking through those verses on your tables, um, there are some questions, I think, to have a look at. They're going to come up for you perfect. Now, some verses are going to have more than others of these questions. Essentially, what priestly function is Jesus performing? What's what's Jesus doing as a priest? What qualifies him? Why is he able to be that priest for us? And what does that make possible for people? So there's three different scriptures, so there's a few different aspects we're going to be looking at. Um, who, which tables had Hebrews 4, 14 to 16? Okay, wonderful. Would you mind, Jeff, could you, uh, would you mind one of you reading it out for me? Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne with grace, with confidence, so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Wonderful. Thank you. That was super. Oh, we've discovered a wonderful reader. Um, Excellent. So what do we see? So what priestly function does Jesus perform? Some of the stuff we talked about earlier on. What's he doing? What do we reckon? He's being a high priest. Yeah, perfect. So he's over all those priests. Where's he, where's he going? So a high priest used to go every year into the Holy of Holies and meet with God. Jesus is. Go on, Mediation. Nice, yeah. So he's going between, but he's right there, isn't he? Like he's not just in a temple once a year on his own. He's right there with God all the time. Like, right almost on his lap, I feel like you're on someone's lap right now, are you? Nearly. <laughs> just, just, just my perspective. That's great. Well else we see, what, qualifi- what kind of qualifications does this high priest have? God. Yes, he's got. Yes. He's God. Thank you. Mike's Trump card. There's a really interesting word in it, isn't there? Empathize. You might have sympathise in your Bible, empathize with us. Now I don't know that we ever think about that as being a qualification for leadership or priesthood or prayer, but it is compassion and empathy and sympathy are what can qualify us to bring somebody before God. And Jesus' sympathy for us, the fact that he lived as a human and and experienced a huge amount of the suffering and temptation and struggle that we do, maybe with his family around the table, but but also maybe in loads of lots and lots of different ways. Um even to the point of of death and humiliation and pain, actually, we have a high priest right there with God who understands all of that stuff. And what does it make available to us, guys, who had that passage? What can we do? Confident. Approach confidently the throne of grace. It's that difference between Catherine being the judge of the world and, and Luke being my mate, and me having to go up to Catherine and go, I did a really stupid thing, I'm really sorry. And Luke, being right next to him, being like, this is Becky, it's fine. Like, we've sorted this out, and it's okay. How confident do I feel going into that space when those two people are there together? Much, much more confident. Essentially, Hebrews the 4 changes this whole picture of walking into the temple for worship because it says that when we go in, God isn't in heaven separate from us, mediated by a priest, several different things that we have to do to get there. Heaven is this place where God is present, but we're also present with him in Jesus And where we can confidently come in. And we can meet with sympathy. Can you imagine that? Walking in to God's presence and God saying, I understand. In fact, maybe he doesn't even need to say it. Maybe we just look at him and we know, goodness, everything that I've suffered, everything I've struggled with, everything that I've I've tried really hard to do well and and failed at, you understand deeply and completely. That's what this picture is. And it's a different picture maybe from what we had of priesthood. Okay, who had chapter 7? Verses 23
1: to 28. Uh, Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath, uh, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever.
0: Thank you, Sam. Super. Okay, so what do we get out of this? What, what kind of function is Jesus performing? He's saving and he's sacrificing. It's okay, I realize we don't often do hands-up shout-out at this church, and it's all quite early in the morning, so I'll go for it. i tell you what, I'll go for it, and then if you think I'm wrong, you can shout. Maybe I'll just drop some heresy Easter eggs in there, so uh, I can, I, you can shout at me. Okay. <laughs> he prays for us. We read that about in our, in our, that's what the priests used to do, they used to pray for the people, but Jesus is right there in the throne room of God, interceding and praying for us. Um, he's perfect, he's not like the high priests who had to go and actually who were also sinful humans just like us. Any human who, who had to mediate between God for you or, or had to pray for you or had to lead a worship service, all of us, everybody up here, sorry band, all you as well, like all of us are sinful. All, none of us are perfect. None of us are able to completely represent God to each other. But Jesus is. Jesus is holy and blameless, which is why he mediates to God for us. He doesn't need to get away from his own sin. He doesn't have any. But he decided to be the sacrifice for us, to be the sacrifice for our sin. And actually, that's what communion, we did communion earlier, didn't we? Which is us remembering that Jesus offered himself as the final sacrifice. Um, the priests used to pay essentially a, a price. You could put a price on things that you did wrong. Um, and it could be like you, you, got something, you got something a little bit wrong and so it was this pigeon. Um, or you got something really, really wrong, and so you had to bring a lamb from your flock or a lot of money or a lot of food, depending on what you had. Um, And the priest would take that, and if it was an animal, they would kill it, and they would put it on the altar, and they would say, okay, this this actually, what you've done, separates you from God who gave you life, and by killing this animal, it brings you close again. But you'd have to keep doing that, and even the priests would have to do that for themselves because they also sinned. What Jesus says is, no, 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 I, God myself, am going to be the perfect sacrifice. I will give my life, and I will therefore lead you into the presence of God forever. And that doesn't get taken away, and it doesn't get taken away. If we do something wrong today and we say, sorry, Jesus' sacrifice is for us. If we do something wrong tomorrow, Jesus' sacrifice is still for us. There's none of this going backwards and forwards, and sometimes being in good favor with God, and sometimes not. It's not like that. It's not like that. maybe that kind of human relationship thing God is always for us because Jesus has done that for all time. And actually what that means is that when we do communion and we remember together, that's not, we don't need to have, and I I realise this might be a little bit different to how some people um, do church, we don't think you need a special person to lead you through communion because the special person is what you're remembering with the communion. The special person is the person who connected you with God in the first place by his own sacrifice and keeps doing it by his own prayer. There's a saying in the Bible that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Um, And so sometimes that might feel like you, but it's always, always Jesus. Jesus is always righteous and always there and always in the presence of God praying for us. Okay, so why don't we do a bit with summing up. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is the leader and our object of our worship. Jesus is the sacrifice offered once and for all for sin that we remember when we do communion. Jesus is the one praying for his people, Jesus is sympathizing, empathizing. He's the one sending help to the poor. He's the one who teaches us the scriptures. He represents all of who God is. And he's the one who represents God to us and mediates between us and God. And because of what Jesus did, that means that all of us are invited into that closeness. We're invited to come and be with him. We're invited to give ourselves to God as a response and know that closeness. And I know that that's my story and the story of a lot of us here, that actually there was a moment, and there have been moments when we've needed God so badly and he's the one who's reached out to us. And that's what he wants to do if that's new to you today. But it doesn't stop there either. We could probably stop there and that would be wonderful. But there is, there is another thing that's happening and I think some people had Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Who had that verse? Duncan and Jackie, George. brilliant. Um, Jeff, can I, do you mind coming down here? You can pick. You can, you can do like, I don't know if you want to do a quick rock, paper, scissors or whatever for who's going to... Read it out, but they all look very keen down here on the left-hand side.
1: Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great peace over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hope and hold and ser- swervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching.
0: Brilliant. So what this says is that because we have a high priest, we have a new and living way. By the blood of Jesus, we've come into the presence of God. What we get to do is sit at home by ourselves, knowing that we are in the presence of God, that we are deeply loved, that we are connected to him, um, and that we... Oh, wait, wait, sorry. Was there a a heresy cry? Thank you, husband. That's only the third time today. Um... (laughs) No, it doesn't say that. Because you could get that, couldn't you, from the rest of it. You could say, Jesus is my high priest. I don't need anyone else. I get to be in the presence of God. I get my sins sorted out. I'm free. I'm fearless. It's wonderful. I'm with, I'm, I'm with God. That, that's great. I'm just going to keep doing that. But Paul, probably he wrote um, Hebrews, said, no, no, no. There's something more there. We hold unswervingly to hope. We come into the presence of God. But also, we consider how to spur one another on to love and good works. We meet together to do that. Why is that? Why would we bother? Jesus is the high priest, okay, which for the people reading it would probably go, okay, you're the high priest, but the high priest is only one person, and there were all these other priests under him. Who is that? Okay, and that's what this this last little bit is answering. Now, what it isn't, it isn't me and Jeff, okay. Thank you, Jesus. It's not me and Jeff. Now, Jeff and I have the privilege of leading this site. We have the privilege of being, actually, it's your generosity to be honest that pays our wages, isn't it? Um, let's be honest about that. Um, we get to—that means we have more time to pray for you all. I've got a, a, a list inside my one of my kitchen cupboards with everyone's first name who's part of South Syre we pray for you on a regular basis. Um, we uh, try to look after people as much as possible. If someone's got a financial issue or a, a problem, we'll try and help practically and we'll pray. Um, we try our best to teach, but we also don't do that on our own. We do that as team because on our own, we can't be that for you. We are Jesus. So we have a leadership team here. We have other people who help us. We have worship leaders. We have team leaders. We have small group leaders. We have cluster leaders. We have loads of people who are here to help pray for you and look after you because, because we're supposed to do it for each other. That's the punchline. That Paul's like, here is the high priestly role. Here is who Jesus is. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is your mediator. Jesus is the person who prays for you. Jesus leads you to God. Jesus is your sacrifice. We can't be that. We are not that. But collectively, all of us are called to encourage and love and lead each other to God together. All of us are called to be priests. Okay? And actually not just for the people who are here, but for the people who are not here. For your friends who don't yet know God, for the people who live on this street and the streets around us, for the people you meet at work or in the playground or wherever. You are carrying some of that, some of that going between God, some of that prayer, some of that helping, some of that teaching that's in you, and that's what Jesus wants you to carry into the world. There's this wonderful place in the New Testament um, that I really should have looked up on the way here. And it says that we are a priesthood of all believers. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. We are called to proclaim him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And we're called to do that with all that we are, all of the time. There's a little list of what we do as priests, okay? We're a people gathered to worship. We remember and trust Jesus' sacrifice for the saving of the world. We pray for each other. We give money to the poor. That's part of what we do. We teach one another the scriptures and we represent God to each other. Not perfectly, that's not the idea. We're not individually meant to be saviours of our friends and neighbours, okay? That's too much. But what we are is collectively priests to one another. We're a new priesthood that get to show what the world what God is like. We're supposed to love one another like he loved us and represent God to one another. To love and to welcome and to tell the truth and to encourage and to pray and to gather. And as we share that, We share our stories and our struggles and our prayers and we learn from each other and we give up our time to love and pray for one another. That's when we get to show something of this thing of God. And actually what Jesus died for and what he's doing when he's in the presence of God is drawing all of us, not individually, that picture of a throne room with Catherine there on the throne and me coming to her. Actually, that's a bit of an incomplete picture, partly because Catherine isn't the Lord himself. Um, That would be concerning. But also because I'm on my own. And actually when you see pictures of heaven, there's not a person on their own. There's a whole host of people from all different ethnic backgrounds and languages and socioeconomic things and different jobs and different types of people. They're all gathered there. And so when we do that, that's when we get to picture something of who God is. And so before we go into worship, what I'd love to do is just take a few minutes to invite God into what we've talked about this morning to come and speak directly to us. Um, if you've got that frankincense smell, you could use that if that helps you. Um, and So what I'm going to do is just ask you to, t- to take that, that smell. And if you haven't got one, you can just sit quietly. Um, and We're just going to fix one of these pictures that we've talked about in our minds. There's that kind of reunited family, that, that father figure who draws you close because he's gone before you. There's that picture of Jesus, the perfect man, the priest who sacrificed himself for you so that you can be forgiven and free of everything. And then there's that priest who prays for you all of the time, perfectly, so that, and, and who will right all those wrongs for you. Or there's that picture of you being part of this priesthood of God that you're called to. The Holy Spirit, would you come and teach us this in a way that we just we can't teach each other? Do we enter into your presence now together? Jesus, you are our priest. You're our high priest who has made a way for us that no one can change, that leads us into the very presence of God, our Father, who loves us. You're praying for us with a kind of power that humans just don't have. And it's wonderful, and you're giving for us every day. And Jesus, you're drawing us to be a community that worships you here, but takes that worship out of this place and into all the other places that we go and mediates between God and people, connects those people to you because of what you've done.
1: We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, BirminghamVineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.